a Marine, one of Earth's toughest, hardened in combat and trained for action. Three years ago, you assaulted a superior officer for ordering his soldiers to fire upon civilians. He and his body were shipped to Pearl Harbor, while you were transferred to Mars, home of the Union Aerospace Corporation. The UAC is a multi-planetary conglomerate with radioactive waste facilities on Mars and its two moons, Phobos and Deimos. With no action for 50 million miles, your day consists of sucking dust and watching restricted flicks in the rec room. For the last four years, the military, UAC's biggest supplier, has used the remote facilities on Phobos and Deimos to conduct various secret projects, including research on interdimensional space travel. So far, they've been able to open gateways between Phobos and Deimos, throwing a few gadgets into one and watching them come out the other. Recently, however, the gateways have grown dangerously unstable. Military volunteers entering them have either disappeared or been stricken with a strange form of insanity, babbling vulgarities, bludgeoning anything that breathes, and finally suffering an untimely death of full body explosion. Matching heads with torsos to send home to the folks became a full-time job. Latest military reports state that the research is suffering a small setback, but everything is under control. A few hours ago, Mars received a garbled message from Phobos. We require immediate military support. Something fragging evil is coming out of the gateways. Computer systems have gone berserk. The rest was incoherent. Soon afterwards, Deimos simply vanished from the sky. Since then, attempts to establish contact with either moon have been unsuccessful. You and your buddies, the only combat troop for 50 million miles, were sent up pronto to Phobos. You were ordered to secure the perimeter of the base while the rest of the team went inside. For several hours, your radio picked up the sounds of combat, guns firing, men yelling orders, screams, bones cracking, then finally, silence. Seems your buddies are dead. As you walk through the main entrance of the base, you hear animal-like growls echoing throughout the distant corridors. They know you're here. There's no turning back now. You're listening to Wide Atlantic Weird, a podcast about why people believe weird things. This is Kian, and as you may have guessed, this episode is going to be all about the video game Doom. So, my guest on this episode is an old friend, Mr. Ian Stokes. He's an IT guy by profession, so... He's an ideal person to talk to about the history of this game. He's also a huge Doom fan uh, going years back, uh, same as myself. So we have a great conversation about the game. We uh, ended up talking about the development of it, the kind of character of some of the um, programmers, the the famous John uh, Romero and John Carmack, and how they've been kind of remembered in culture. We spend a little bit of time talking about the way the video game industry was back then. It was seen as something of a bit of a cowboy time when, you know, a lot of the rules in place now just simply did not exist. We compare it to the way the system is now and we have a great time sort of reminiscing about our memories of playing Doom and whether we were scared by it, whether it could be classified as a horror game or an action game or maybe both. We talk a little bit about the different versions of it across the different systems and how some of those leaned more into the action and some of them leaned more into the horror uh, with regards to the soundtracks and a whole lot of other great things as well, including some of the lasting repercussions of the game, both um, 
you know, with, with the development of the first person shooter and with other areas of culture as well. We even dip into some of the moral panic that was going on around video games and other youth culture at the time. And uh, yeah, lots of great stuff like that. So uh, pick up your BFG and uh, head into those corridors to shoot some imps. We are certain that Satanism exists. It's the practice of evil. And following closely behind this car was this unidentified flying object. You can prove the existence of the Bigfoot or Sasquatch by bringing in a body. Alright, so I am being a proper hipster because I'm drinking something that's just called Pale Ale from Roadworks Brewing. But this is, it looks like a proper legit hipster beer, but it's 100% like an Aldi or Little Home Brand job. It is made in Dublin, so it's proper Irish, but still, you know, made for that kind of a market. Okay, so I am drinking a Beavertown Lock Lloyd IPA. Oh, that's proper um, hipster. Yeah, as I said, I, I literally picked this because of the way I picked up Doom as a kid based on the cover of Doom was awesome. So this cover has a giant blob creature with claws. It has people in space helmets and masks flying around firing at the blob. There's a few floating skulls. There's loads of rocket ships. And I just thought, ah, oh, well, that's all a bit Doomish there. That's perfect. You know, yeah. let's go for that tonight. Beavertown does kind of like like yeah. Super Jail style animation looking covers. Does that? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it was it was a close I could kind of find that was somewhat. It had a skull, so I was ah, somewhat cultish. You know, the the skulls are doomed. Skulls are this. Let's go. The London Bar. We've been doing those kind of online benefit gigs for recently. Um, they have Beaver Town stuff. So I was very fond of the neck oil when we used to go there. Yeah, I've never even had this before as well. So if it's awful, you you probably hear me ack at some stage. <laughs> so we are here to talk about Doom. Um. Doom, did you have it as a kid? Because I had it slightly later in life. I was so aware I, of it as a kid, but... So I had it in, and I was making this out. I think I had this... Um, so I got it for my, I think my ninth birthday for the PlayStation. So I didn't even have it... Uh, this would be in 95, I guess. Um, or 95, 96, I guess it would have been. We'd had the PlayStation maybe, maybe 96. Um, but basically, it was one of those things that, like, um, it's coming up to my birthday. My birthday is in January. It's just after Christmas. You're kind of after getting games anyway that you kind of want. And then this was just my brother kind of said, ah, look, there's this class game after coming out. Just get it. And I had no idea what it was, but he showed me the cover, as I said. And the cover is this absolutely class thing of, like, a space marine kind of atop a rock with, like, a legion of demons coming towards him. He's fighting them off. One is kind of, you know, he's shooting one while a different demon is grabbing by his arm. And then there's a demon at the cover kind of breaking the fourth wall, looking over its shoulder directly at you. Is that player. the mostly red and orangey colour with yeah, the skull no face goat demon at the bottom? Yeah, yeah. The, the guy who did it is uh, Don Ivan uh, Ponchatz, is it's his a, name. It's a great uh, piece of cover. Yeah, it, yeah. He actually inspired, like, to this day, they still use... He did that, and he did the packaging. He did, like, the Doom lettering, the kind of jagged lettering at the bottom, going up and across and back down for the Doom to the M. Uh, to this day, through all the games, they actually still stick with that style. So he's, he's kind of been iconic that way. Um, and even I've been looking at, like, as part of this, just different covers for different versions. Um 
So so, that, so that was the PS. You had the PS. So, no, no, no. So that was just the picture my brother showed me. The PlayStation had a different cover yeah. when I got it, and I was disappointed being a nine-year-old that what's going on here? This isn't what I signed up for. This is a completely different picture on the cover, you know. Um, <laughs> but that was still actually a pretty badass cover that had a kind of a shaven head marine shooting a shotgun through uh, another demon's chest while another demon was attacking him. So yeah, it wasn't as hard. I know so that cover, but he's kind of he's kind of skinny looking, and the whole thing is he like is, yeah, off. Yeah. It's at a Dutch angle, and it it looks you know what it really looks like. So, it looks like those that style of comic book art that was popular in the nineties. What I found today, Keen, is that it's cropped. I actually have a link in the notes we can put in. I'd never, for all my years, I looked at this. It's actually an angle shot of him in a tunnel with loads of demons behind him that he's already killed and other stuff going on in the front line. But then they just cropped it out to this really small little thing of it. And like, I only literally found this maybe just before the show, but um, it's actually a really cool picture in itself. Once I saw it, I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty Now, it's not as iconic as the other one, but um, it's still actually, I don't know why they cropped it. They should have just left it, to be honest. It looked a lot better. Um, yeah, I've always liked it, but it isn't. Yeah, yeah. I've always felt like it looks like a panel from like a cool 90s comic, but it doesn't exactly yeah. look like a cover. It doesn't look like cover art material. No, no, it, yeah, it literally looks like, yeah, just like a, a big scene that they put in kind of like, and uh, it's fine. It, it's fine. But uh, yeah, so that's where I got it. It was around, yeah, when I was that age. Oh, what about yourself, Ken? When did you come across? I was aware of it because my dad used to buy Mac magazines like uh, in the 90s. And you yes. know, do you remember when computer game magazines used to have those like database sections at the back where they would just have a quick little square about every single game available and give you a quick <laughs> ranking. They used to always mention Doom and they would just say how there is this like infamously controversial, violent, satanic game. So obviously yeah. I always wanted to see that. I did have some friends who had A, who was on the, the um, survival horror episode, lived near me growing up and he had Doom 2. And so we, we'd seen it and we'd played it and it wasn't, it was pretty old by the time I finally got a copy of what I think is Ultimate Doom, which is like the original yeah, 95 game uh, with an extra the chapter. The station I had now was, yeah, it was the same. It was Ultimate Doom. It's just, and that's why I guess when I'm going forward, when I say Doom or original Doom, I'm kind of combining Doom with Doom 2 because um, they were out within 10 months of each other. It was ridiculous back then when they were making games. It reminds yeah. me of the way of um, rock bands in the 70s. You'd make an album, go on tour, and before you know it, you've another album out, you're back on tour. Yeah. You know, it was just never ending. There was no such thing as taking four years or five years to polish something off which yeah. is good it's something i miss but whenever i say kind of like oh doom yeah it's probably just keeping my mind that i'm referring to both doom and doom 2 basically I, what was the one, one the we then got another one we got final, final doom. doom it had the plutonia a bunch experiment of, um, wads. Yeah, yeah that was basically just a bunch of wads yeah it was just the top people who were creating stuff which is something i love about doom um just the fact that they kind of, when they created this, they said, right, we're going to make the game, but we're going to give players the level editors and how to make their own levels and see where that goes. Um, and it kind of comes back to Doom, why I think it succeeded. I mean, we were only, when we were chatting with this kid, there are still wads being made today, 27 years later. Like that is, that's a testament. Like I know of like properly, I know proper commercially supported software projects which aren't around 27 years later, right? Yeah. And, like, you still have this going um, just because of the way they went about it. They gave out the tools. They, after a few years, I think they open-sourced the engine, about 96, 97, which they basically said, right, you can do what you want with it. Um, you just can't sell it for a profit. It's like a new license. But um, you just can't sell it for profit, but do what you want. Um, 
And it, yeah, here you go, 27 years later, it's, it's literally still actively being developed today. There's like a thriving community. There's still Doom tournaments are still ongoing. Um, wow. Which I think is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, George Romero, actually, uh, or not George, <laughs> John Romero, jeez. George Romero, so we talk a lot about him, but uh, actually he has an influence on it if you get into nitty-gritty details, of course, zombies and the likes. Um, yeah, but uh, John Romero still organizes tournaments in Galway these days, apparently. So um, I only found this out recently. A friend of mine had met him, and, and a, a, a friend of ours, and um, basically he was, he worked for a company in Dublin, and they brought John Romero in to yeah. like give a talk about productivity or something, and he said it was only very tangentially related to um to, to video games, but he said a lot of people working with him didn't know who he was, and it was a little bit of a cringe, but. You know, oh, he crap. he gave a good talk, and one, the one guy who did know who he was like asked him embarrassing questions about like his infamous bad game Daikatana. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Keen, that's probably a good point. Um, we're almost talking about like a famous record without actually introducing the band. We even talk a small bit about it and like what they were, where they came from. Let's, let's give a a, a quick and a quick um, quick. quick intro to yeah. what what Doom is, in case you've never come across it. Yeah. So, do you want to go? I'll say Doom was a 1995 um, early and important precursor of what, what we now call the first-person shooter genre. Um, there were some games earlier, some of them made by the same company, id Software. I myself had Wolfenstein 3D, but this was like the first proper... Um, I don't know, it was like proof of, proof of concept, wasn't it? It was the first time that this idea had been like, pulled off with... I'm going further. It's just, it, it, it actually came out in 93 on Shareware. Um, which is amazing. Like I was looking at so many things they did for the first time, proof of concept. And you're dead right. It's like they brought it out on PC. Let's say in 1990, December 10th of 1993, they initially distributed it via postal and packaging. I order it, send us ten bucks, and here you go. Oh, those were the or, days where you got demos, and they would. They they pioneered shareware. Yeah. That, that was it, shareware, right? You get what's called shareware. You get like the first three levels and then you'd be left at a tantalizing moment and it's like, oh, to get the rest of this, send 10 bucks to whoever. But they also did FTP downloads. And for anybody that's file transfer protocol, right? I mean, that's how all games are distributed nowadays, whether it's Steam, PlayStation Network, Nintendo Switch. You, you buy them digitally and you download them. They, they actually did that back on December 10th, 1993. They uploaded to the University of Wisconsin server uh, the server blew up twice in John Romero's words because <laughs> they had kind of like told people where to go. But that was like that probably sounds like nothing, but that was really pioneering back in the day. That was like you're 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 almost like I, I think Steam wouldn't come out till maybe two thousand something. I'm not sure the exact date, but that's been like Steam was considered ahead of ahead of the game then. But I mean, ten years earlier, almost you had this example where they, that's how they were distributing it. Um, they also introduced things like multiplayer. So you could play co-op and they invented the term deathmatch where you just vote yes. your own player. Um, at the time, the, the term first-person shooter wasn't around. Um, there hadn't been enough, basically, right? And um, I think that it, like for a while, they were just calling other first-person shooters. They were literally called Doom Clones. Yeah. Because there wasn't a term for it. Um, yeah, it's just I, I just think it has this weird thing... Um, it sits in a weird position in time, um, both because I would say from everything that I love about it, from the music that's in it, their influences uh, in terms of making it, like John Mayer's on record saying they loved Evil Dead, 
and just wanted to do something with zombies, a shotgun and a chainsaw. You can almost like summarize doomed in one Yeah, and it's got something of the It's got something of the sense of humor of Evil Dead. Like there aren't jokes yeah. in it, but it's just it's over the top. It's like a it's yeah. like an adolescence idea of what something you know horror and scary and macho is and there's a fun and there's an energy to it that probably a lot of it is down to the era in which it was made before video games had become this before that business had solidified and before companies were the way they are now exactly Uh, and what i think is amazing is that when they start this so so oh one of the things like I did in prep for this is uh, John Romero does kind of uh, a year in the development of Doom. So they started in January and they had it out in December. And there was four of them from the majority of it. And it was only towards mid to the end of the year they brought on another four to five. And it, it's that kind of thing of there wasn't this thing. Like nowadays, like you now have thousands of people employed for a game and they just did everything. It was a real kind of, they talk about these, you know, 16 to 20 hour days um, to get it out the door, they talk about they had to do a 30-hour push, everybody on board, no sleep, just keep going. You only do that for a thing of kind of like yeah, a real, like something that you, it, it's not just a job, right? It has to be a passion almost. Yeah. And they did that. And at the same time, it's just mind-blowing, like the amount of stuff they included. And it, that's why I think, you know, to this day, 27 years later, it's still there. It's still being developed. And I think I think people like this story because it has a sort of a DIY, almost a punk ethos to it. And I was going to say, I didn't want to bring punk, but yeah. yeah it is, exactly. it is though. It it's was just... like almost, almost, a, you know, a small bunch of enthusiasts working in their garage to create something that was so new that there wasn't a name for it. There wasn't a system for producing it. And yeah. shortly after it became a big hit, a gigantic hit, like the media didn't really know how to treat programmers yet. So before they decided that programming was nerdy, there was this kind of weird brief period where... Yeah. They were treated like rock stars, and the two main guys who we'll talk about, John Romero and John, certainly John Carmack. Romero, John Carmack, yeah. but John Romero certainly wanted to be seen as something of a rock star. Oh, he full on embraced that, like, yeah, yeah, he loved it, I think. Um, it was funny this week, um, maybe talk about detail, but I, I thought he'd be a bit more of an asshole than he actually was. At least nowadays, he seems a little bit more tempered, and he seems a little bit more from a lot of stuff I've watched like he's giving credit to everybody and he's not trying to boast about anything and he's almost a little bit humble about how they did, did things back in the day you know there's no kind of like well we did blah 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 was class and we yeah. did everything like they actually do have full bragging rights if they wanted to but he doesn't come across that way at all it's kind I, of like, I think he, he was for a long time a bit of a punching bag and a bit of a I think yeah yeah, but yeah I think I mean, it's it's because of one specific time which was quite brief and one mistake in particular that is infamous which we'll get to <laughs> but yeah, yeah by and large I think he probably is a pretty nice guy <laughs> yeah 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 um, as I said, like, like I'd, I'd recommend anybody who's interested in Doom, like it's in the show notes, but watch the year development. It's about forty minutes, but reality is only thirty. Um, thirty minutes, and he's actually, yeah, it's actually just a fun story. You know what I mean? It's just like literally, it's nine months. He gives each month what happened, things go wrong, things go right. Um, but yeah, he talks about everything from where they got the weapons, this that. I'd recommend anybody. But look, maybe without getting too off topic, like. Where, where would you start with it, Keen? I mean, like, um, for me, one thing was that like, you had the PC version and, like, the biggest difference, I think, between the PC and the PlayStation was the music. And the music for me, the reason I started in this, is that a lot of the music, and again, back to its influences, back to how it's actually influencing 
kids and people like a lot of it is just ripoffs of Metallica <laughs> I think oh, I made a list like there's actually there's so many videos and it's really funny because so many people online argue about which song is what song I'll put it that way so like the opening song a lot of people think that's Master of Puppets other people are saying no it's Judas Priest other people are saying it does have but it's really funny and in fairness I, I couldn't give a definitive answer but as I was going through this week I was checking them and I was like you're all a bit right I think um, the guy who did the music is it Robert Prince I think Bob, yeah name. Bobby Prince I never thought Bobby that it Prince. was a specific Metallica song but it's clearly you know programmed by somebody listening to a lot yeah. of metal and you can see in the videos from that time that their their offices yeah, are I mean, full of metal CDs CDs yeah and like, I love um, like, like whatever that's Doom but Doom 2 one of the best ones I found was um, there's a level called Adrian Sleep but it's just Angry Chair by Alice in Chains <laughs> And it, it really just is like, and it's so funny because it's like somebody playing Alice, playing Angry Chair with a Castillo keyboard and a finger at each one. You know, it really is like, I was just laughing at it, but it was class. And I was like, yeah, yeah. you know. And then like people now have made mods to reintroduce all this music back into the original game. Yeah. And uh, it plays perfect. Just the music that just seems to go perfectly in hand with what they were doing at the time. You know what I mean? I think there was a specific element of, yeah, this song, like Pantera's, is it Rises there as well? Um, there's a load of stuff there's just and it's it's so um, of its time because like no I, I think nobody today making either a horror game or an action game would would think to put heavy metal on the soundtrack but yeah. that's just that was that's what was floating around that's what they were listening to that's what they liked and they were young so fellas I, with long hair and they were metalers and that's I, I heard this great thing and I was reading into it um, so the, the one of the reasons it's like because you're, you're kind of like well, well we're, we're, how come they're playing metal and it's Evil Dead and it's all this stuff um, so apparently like 1983 the home kind of the video game market crashed it was valued at about 6 billion and it crashed in 1983 but by 1993 it had built back up now that's 10 years right and there was a big war going on between Sega and Nintendo at this stage um but if you think of those guys like John Romero, they were in their mid-twenties by 93. That's when they're making Doom. And I just think it's like, yeah, like as you said, all their influences have just come at such a time, right? They've had all the metal albums. They've had the Evil Dead series. You know what I mean? All these things just have formed part of their personality and what they're into. But and also it's not go, you know? like they're being, you know, there isn't some giant company breathing down their neck and saying no, it has to be done yeah. this way. So they're, they have reign to... To do things the way they want yeah yeah in fact one of my favorite things is um about doom basically is you know so, so this is where probably on the you know the, the id software track like but they decide right they were known for a game called commander keen they'd also done wolfenstein they'd done is it catacombs or something um they kind of dip their toes in the water they're they're reasonably successful they're successful enough to be able to move offices around the place only four of them though um but there's a great moment where they talk about, like, they've decided, you know, they decide in December, they take a break, they've moved to Wisconsin, because they think it's lovely in the summer, they didn't realise it's going to be <laughs> so, such a snowy place in the winter. It sure um, is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so, like, a load of them, the story goes that, like, most of them just went away to a nice sunny place for the Christmas vacation. John Carmack, who is, you know, if John Romero is the, I would say, artist, I would say, and the level designer, John Carmack is the programmer, he's the maths guy. And he's the graphics guru, basically. He's world-renowned at this stage, pioneer in the graphics industry. Um, 
scarily smart guy can kind of just turn his hand to anything uh in his spare time he's also ran a space company like his own rocket company um he's pioneering vr he's mainly one of the main reasons why virtual reality has come to the front in the last few years he fixed a lot of problems from the 90s he kind of went down it and figured it out just a very smart guy when it comes to video games and just maths in general i would say um but he basically stays at home he buys and there's there's a weird connection between doom and mac which i've noticed he buys the next computer which is steve jobs company just after he left mac he formed next he made this computer it had objective c which is programming language john carmack buys it it's way easier to program he spends christmas two weeks just teaching himself how to program it they come back they're supposed to do another game of the same stuff they've been doing but he kind of shows them the power of this and says look we can do something way cooler and then decide right well what should we do and then everything comes together it's well we'll do doom we'll do and the story of doom for anybody is there's you know it, it's based not on mars it's actually based on mars's moons which is demos and phobos game is that I that's think right that's yeah, yeah 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 phobos and games. the uac which is the night is it the what does the uac stand for <laughs> again i'm just used to seeing their stamped logo um is it union aerospace aerospace corporation corporation yeah, that's it yeah yeah and they kind of have contracts with the government now because the government have started as all stories go in the future we start contracting up military everything basically <laughs> OCP. Like, you know yeah yeah ocp yeah, it's cool. yeah uac is definitely like generic of, uh, evil and, sci-fi and Jutani, corporation i think you can almost put all three together ocp what's the evil Wayland corporation Jutani, in UAC. in blade runner called do you remember? Um, Tyrell? Yeah, that... yeah, yeah. So your your generic, you know, near yeah, future yeah. dystopia evil corp. <laughs> yeah, and you're, you're, the, the player you play, he never actually has a name. He, he's just, he's being told the Doom Marine, Doom Guy. In the recent games, they started calling him Doom Slayer or just the Slayer because uh, they've tried to flesh out his whole back history and what he actually is, which is fair <laughs> enough. But basically, you're obviously a good guy because you you, you were posted on this crappy post because you stopped uh, a superior officer from firing on uh, innocent civilians. And, uh, you know, I, I'd love this. It's B-movie off its face straight away, right? But it's grand. It does the job. And this is why you're sucking moon dust, as they say. <laughs> watching reports on this moon base uh now the moon base that the moon base around is let's say is it phobos or demos they're conducting teleportation between the two of the moons but then something goes wrong and what goes wrong is basically there is a gateway open to hell and hell's demons invade and that's it uh your bodies are sent in because of your mess up with the civilians i don't understand this at all but you're told to stay back just in case <laughs> And they take all your guns and just give you, the, he calls it a pelican, it just means like a pistol, basically. Um, you listen to the radio for five or six hours, screams, bone crunching, munching, and then deathly silence. You decide, right, well, I can die here or, or else I could at least kill a few. And you decide, you know, you, you put on your space helmet and you go in to the base where they were. And... Um, that's it that's doom from there on it's like you hear a growl they know you hear, they know you're here and from there on you're just killing demons that that's the game in a nutshell i love um, i love the story like what even yeah, from when it's, it's perfect it, it doesn't need to be anything more than this no but it's we it, get on to the novels later which is fantastic <laughs> in a different way I'm it's, really it's, but the story has meant or at least maybe not the story but the setting has always I, i've always liked it and even from when it yeah. came out people said this is a great game because of the action don't worry about the story it's bollocks but like i love the fact that you're on mars 
And I love the fact that there's all these like ridiculous cartoon Satanist. I thought this range is you're on one of the moons of Mars. Yeah, but I, I like the Mars. space yeah, setting. Yeah. And Just... you know what? It, it would <laughs> Doom would have made a really good survival horror game, like a slow paced, scary, you know, jump so, scary. You know, the PlayStation survival horrors are out. Yeah, somebody's done it. They've okay. made it Resident Evil style with yeah, um, s- camera angles in the corner. Yeah, and you love have it. to mark it down. And, love yeah. it. Give it to and me. It, it, it works quite well. They've been saying actually, yeah, it just it features there. Like, you know, it works. Um, Do you think Doom is, is in any real way like a horror game? This comes back to the music. Um, when I first played it as a kid, I thought it was because it's a different soundtrack on the PlayStation. And it's a guy, again, it's in the show notes. Um, he, oh, Aubrey, Aubrey something. I yeah, read an interview Aubrey, with him. Yeah. And the music is completely different. Um, like, I've been even reading loads of people, like, reading, like, there's loads of, like, people arguing online about what's better. But, like, for me, I like the original. I think the original idea was it's a real action game and you're going forward. But when I played it when I was 9 or 10, oh, I thought this was a horror game out and out. I remember having to go in some dark corridors in it and just the music and the setting and it was way more atmospheric whereas even if i put on the other one it's just the other soundtrack is very you know it's it's master puppets and say what you want that's not horror theme right i mean it's fine but it's that action orientated and it's one of those lessons i kind of learned just about um even as like a kid playing different games like soundtrack makes such an impact and i think for doom it's the exact same game it's just we've put a different soundtrack on it and it has a completely different vibe now that's a tribute to the artists in particular right i mean the the engineer sound engineers and whoever's writing that that's fantastic that you've done that um but i've even like you know put in the show notes i've i've like picked like a couple of songs from the PC version and I've picked a couple of songs from the PlayStation version and um, all that original stuff is up on the Bandcamp website um, you can listen to free so I'd encourage people to check it out it's such a different vibe when you um, read about like how much hassle he went through how difficult it was to compress sound for those consoles mm-hmm. because the soundtrack was very similar on Do- uh, Doom 64 and yeah. it's just incredible that he got it to he got what he wanted out of it with the limitations they had at the time yeah there's still mods today reintroducing it not only to old doom but the modern dooms as well <laughs> it, that, that's nuts that's like that's again a very really good tribute that you've made an impact on people so, oh and that yeah. that soundtrack had the infamous crying babies on it yeah it also has um is it just one track called demon breathing and like a comment on youtube was like this still haunts me to my days <laughs> <laughs> but it literally is like i was like researching this during the weekend i, I like i spent a night was it Wednesday night maybe or Tuesday night I spent a good amount of night just going through different music from different games and stuff and I was listening to that and it is still genuinely very creepy and unsettling it's a lot really of it good, like, is not really music just, as such it's it's atmospheric sounds and yeah, it's a soundscape soundscape yeah that kind of way it's just you know but the breathe the demon breathing one is it's really off-putting like it's just a pair of headphones just in the kitchen like listening away just going like oh geez i'm gonna put this take off the headphones and make sure i can hear everything else for a while you know what i mean it's just but again a, a testament to it um, and just a very different flavor to the game all of a sudden um and i've really liked that about it i just think it's still a core action game the weapons are the same enemies are the same but just by changing this one ingredient the music it it gives a very different feel to it and um yeah i think that's just a testament to the game itself really like you know did you read um masters of doom it's a book about the making of the game (laughs) so i haven't i know you did and i was hoping that you would be able to (laughs) fill me in in some of it because i don't um, 
Yeah, I don't remember too much about it. It was, I must have read it in about, I worked out, it must have been 2012. It was the first time I went to Canada and I was on a bus with with our friend Jerry between Toronto and Montreal for about, it's about four hours, I think. And we both read the same book on that journey. And I remember, (laughs) I remember finding it a bit juvenile because it was, it was written I could be, you know, doing it an injustice because it was so long ago, but I remember, like, there was lots of stuff about how, you know, now they had their own place. They could finally just sit around and program, eat pizza, and listen to Metallica. It was awesome. They had that place anyway. Like, they, they were already just working in Louisiana, but they just said it was 40 degrees and they were absolutely sweating their balls off. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say. Like, they say, look, you know, you're trying to work in an office. It's hard enough to get the thing done without it being 40 degrees centigrade. You know, and it's just like, that's the way they went to Wisconsin. That was lovely. Then they got the opposite. Then they end up in Texas, I think. Yeah. And, but like, yeah, I mean, that's just normal enough. But yeah, I understand. I completely understand where you're coming from. Uh, it would not surprise me if it was like that, to be honest. But I mean, they were young fellas who, you know, were, were working on a, a, a project that was exciting for them. So I'm sure they did have that sort of um, vaguely young manish slash adolescent enthusiasm. <laughs> Listen, no, I have a que- I have a question for you as an IT person. Yeah. So I have read that Doom wasn't proper real 3D, like it it fakes it somehow. Is that true? It's still sprites at the end of the day. I mean, the, yes, the, the enemies are 2D. Um, but, but not everything that's kind of is 3D. I mean, he uses um, he uses BSP. Um, so, like, like BSP is it's binary space partitions, so it's a way to kind of refactor everything. It's still 3D in the sense that you can still move around, I guess. Um, is it 3D in the sense of, like, they want to do Quake, right? Yeah. Quake was 3D, I would say, because all the models were three-dimensional. Um, I mean, in Doom, if you're looking at a medkit, the medkit's like the Mona Lisa, right? It stares back right, at you yeah. and it faces you no matter what side of the room you go to. Um, so I don't think it's fully 3D, but I think the levels are 3D at least. Um, you know, and, and same with like, but but just, yeah, characters and enemies and items aren't, I would say. Well, I got out um, one of my um, emulators this week on the laptop <laughs> and I, I played through some of the early levels, but I, I, I banged out a few of the Doom clones as well. And as you said, like that, that the term first fps didn't even exist so like it just shows you how um how seminal doom must have been that they started calling other games after it but i had i played dark forces which was the star Star wars game i think 95 and then i played alien trilogy as well they're both quite they they hold up quite well they're class so here's one for you right and this is brilliant like i don't know if you knew this already but um in the whole year development uh of, of doom they get to about february march and um, they kind of have they have what's called the doom bible and all that is really is just a design document that's normal for any software project you define what what exactly you're going to build you know what should what should include what shouldn't include blah blah, blah. um but they're, they're kind of starting up they're happy and all of a sudden they get a shout from fox interactive and they get offered the license to make an aliens game and oh, that comes with a significant chunk of change as well, right? Because it's, it, you know, it's, it's like they're saying, like, you know, aliens had come out and they were obviously massive fan of aliens. And they kind of sat down and they did like a side-by-side comparison of, well, it would still fit, 
it would still be the right world. It was this. Could we do it justice? They were kind of saying, like, we started out with evil dead in mind. If, could we really change the aliens? What actually turned them off it was they just said just the lack of enemies, that you would have a queen, a normal alien, a face hugger. Yeah. And they just said, they just felt, that the other thing I think that they kind of said is that they wanted a bit of freedom to do what they wanted. And they felt that maybe if they went down that route that, like, Fox would have a say over what's going out and um like they just said like t- if you just create your own ip you'd have a lot more flexibility what goes into it um that shows a lot so, of yeah. self-belief doesn't it considering <laughs> well john like he kind of says it like like oh well after 30 seconds we said no no that's bollocks i can guarantee you <laughs> you're in your mid-20s and you're in a successor and then fox come along to you say here look we're willing to hand you the license to like and and aliens was alien okay was success aliens was huge Right, I mean, Aliens is up there with the best action blockbusters you're ever going to see. So for somebody to kind of say, look, we'll give you the license. And these guys had delivered, because um, not only did they make stuff for the PC and the Mac, they used to do con- complete conversions to the NES, whatever it was, they could do it. They were that good. So that's why there was a bit of faith being put in them. They do reject it. And I think it's the right choice, but especially in retrospect, I kind of say, I just look at the way, and I don't want to go down too far the Aliens route, but... I don't think, you know, it wouldn't have been the same as what Doom is today, you know? It, I just don't think it would have turned out. I think it would have been the world would be a worse place for it. Um, but they do reject it. But that, it was just really strange because um, we had talked about Alien Trilogy that you'd said. Uh, surprisingly, that mod that I referenced is still being worked on today was an Alien Trilogy mod, the one I sent down to you. Wow. Um, and that's another thing that comes back to that conspiracy theory key and... Um, when you said to me you really liked Alien Trilogy and I was like oh yeah yeah had it a total doom clone I got a notice on my Facebook account saying oh a notice from PC Gamer Alien Trilogy what after being made <laughs> interesting so, interesting and we were on WhatsApp and it's Facebook it was really funny when it happened I goes I have to tell Peter about that on the podcast <laughs> I think he'll appreciate that um, but yeah there you go it could have been a completely different like they, they just said, look, financially they were okay. They were happy to plow on, do something originally. If they weren't in those states, they probably might have taken that, like, and it could have, you know, we wouldn't be chatting here today about it, you know? So I want to talk about the impact it made. So obviously, I mean, people see it as, as one of the most important progenitors of FPS, which is, you know, now one of the most, if not the most important genre going. But like in terms of when it immediately came out, you, I've read things saying that, you know, people, you could measure how much productivity was going down, you know, in, in office work. <laughs> is that is that true? Um, so I can tell a story. I know Trent Reznor, he was making the downward spiral. And he's like an absolute maniac when it comes to work. I'd say he's one of those guys, he's a million different tracks and he's a bit of a perfectionist. And he said one day he was in, like, there's, there's an interview. It was actually an interview for Doom 3, but he was speaking about when Doom 2 came out. And he said they were trying to get the downward spiral done. And then one day he kind of spotted a sound engineer playing something. And at first he was really pissed off at him. And he's like, what are you using? what's this what's all this satanic stuff shotguns what was this and then he just said like yeah i spent a lot of time just like i was working late hours he said i was just playing doom to be honest like on the sound engineer's pc um <laughs> i would think so like i've heard like i i know like people who'd have been when i had a summer job um I'll put it this way, like geez, I was 15 or 16 in a summer job in my dad's place where he worked and one of the guys he's working with would have been 20 years to me would have been his mid 30s or 40s but he was telling me like he was a security guard and like <laughs> they 
were supposed to monitor wherever they were working, but they just had Doom installed because it was kind of a crappy PC. Uh, it was still in 2000, so you could have had something better, but they had a crappy PC there, and there was just Doom installed in it. And like you said, you were doing an 8 to 10 hour shift, you just start doing that. Um, I think, again, this this thing of they just arrived at the right time. Like all of a sudden, you have these offices that are all linked in with LAN, and Doom just happens to come along and say, hey, look, you can play Deathmatch. You know, you can play co-op. Um, they, they just, the right time. I, I, I would almost believe it because I still hear stories today of people playing games in-house and offices and that must have spawned somewhere. And I think for the, 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 the programmers and the nerds, I don't think it was productivity going down. I just think it was them spending time playing games. You know, well, yeah, I mean, the, you can yeah, read yeah, that, just, like, companies had calculated how many hours they thought they had lost because well, of Doom. <laughs> Um, like I love the fact that um, just on, on the point you, you said there. Um, okay, well, no, go ahead. I was gonna, I was gonna start on the moral panic side of it, but uh, oh, we, we'll get, to, we'll get there. Don't worry. Yeah, we'll hold off on that, though. But uh, yeah, I believe that fully. I think um, again, I just like for anybody today who's not familiar, like you know, you look at Fortnite, you look at all these games today, Call of Duty. Like, imagine you're the first one to do something like this. You're the first one to say, "Hey, you can play online against somebody." That was a real like eye opener, and um, just hadn't been done. And it, it, you know, it, and if you're in office, you're hooked up via LAN anyway. There's no lag. Yeah, you can do it. I mean, and it's really simple. You can just pick up and go. The, the story goes that John Carmack designed it over the Thanksgiving weekend. Um, that he basically had the TCP IP LAN book, which is an official book. It's in Wayne's World as well, I think. <laughs> Garth, Garth at one stage. <laughs> he holds up a Unix book in one of them, but I think he hacks a satellite with another. But he does hold up the actual, I think it's a TCP. I'm open for correction now. Somebody's going to kill me on this. But he does hold up this book. But John Carmack just kind of said, Yeah, look, that was an officially published book. And um, the guys went home for Thanksgiving and he just did his usual magic, just stayed in, figured out that, right, well, I can make two computers talk to each other. So if I run Doom on both computers, can I make my character in this screen move on your screen? And he figured it out over a weekend. And this was done in November because it's Thanksgiving. They were releasing 10th of December. <laughs> it's just absolute madness. Like, do you know what I mean? And like, the one thing, like, John Romero was very much like, oh, that's how good he is. Like, like no joke, he is the real deal. <laughs> like, and you know? I'm, not a, I'm not a big gamer, but like my friends who are will, will tell me that like, you know, a lot of people are worried that the, the whole industry is, is about to have another crash because of well, probably will. Yeah, no, com- no, companies that are too big, overthinking all their decisions. Like, you know, important changes are not happening in the weekend anymore. It's it's overly focused, no, no. you know, yeah, yeah. focus-centered decision-making. Like, it comes back to the thing I said to you, um, like you're reading a lot now about... Uh, you, you, you know they, they, they call it like the, the crush lifestyle or the cram lifestyle where basically they're coming up to release and it's just expected you work these ridiculous hours um, to basically get the game out and when the f- eight guys from it did that right in 93 it's because it was their passion and they don't mind working 30 hours to do it but they have like a real stakeholder in the company it's not just a job paying the bills and but nowadays games have gotten so big i think that you can just be a tester you've nothing to do with anything but you're still expected to put in 30 hours straight and you're getting paid crap wages for it you've really nothing to do with the game you might even like it you know but it's kind of like, it's like everything it gets once it becomes successful it becomes a monster in itself really doesn't it and, and um, now i would argue that probably a lot of the creative stuff is happening with the with the independence, you know, games, mm-hmm. but 
which are again have gone back to being made by just you know one or a small number of people i don't know i i would say 90 percent of those people like aren't making much money out of them but within reason i've heard um like i know of uh so, so i follow pc gamer like quite a lot back in the day I don't read as much anymore but um one, one of the writers there um it's not Tom Senior. Anyway, it's Tom. Well, I figure his name for the show notes, but like he was working for them while writing his own game, and then he wrote his game, and it was actually quite a good game. I ended up playing it. It was only costing a tenner, and I bought it. And um, he, Tom Francis, is his name. He he retired. He finished up from PC Gamer. He made enough wow. money in the first month that he could go into game development full time and game development guy like for anybody who's not familiar it's not a steady income right no. you make a game it has to be a hit or a miss um you know but no he made enough money now that's a credit him the game is actually quite good quite smart um it's not it's a 2d game it's just a very smart game in this way it's designed um you can do that that way i think um i guess the difference there is your outgoings in terms of development like i've read like the outgoings of what it takes to make grand theft auto and call of duty it's ridiculous like they have thousands and thousands of employees and they need to make that back and if it's a miss it's a real big miss it's oh, as bad everybody as, loses their uh, job don't they yeah and yeah it's as bad as like and like what really happens what really annoys me is that like big companies like ea and i'm just using this as an example but they will buy smaller companies because they're you know a smaller development studio because they let's say have this pretty cool thing um i think actually a made this point when you talk about resident evil uh but he talked about dead space and how ea bought dead space and the crowd who made dead space originally were kind of small and they were quite good and then i think as it went on it just became more actiony and it started making less money and it was like the money it originally made was fine because our outgoings weren't as bad. Oh, but it and wasn't enough that, money for EA. Yeah, and I think that's what you get with like in software when you have eight or ten guys. It didn't make a difference to them. Like you know, they were okay, they were comfortable, they can do that. But yeah, you're definitely. I think like there's no way they could go on. Um, because they to, just seem seem to be putting all of their eggs in one basket. So, you know, instead yeah. of having twenty people working on one of a number of games, you have a thousand people working on one yeah. game a year, and if that flops everything goes belly up but then when it makes a hit it makes a scary hit i'll try and get the numbers for grand theft auto 5 but it was in the billions key. but all they all they do is like from just... what i can see i'm not a gamer but like they just there's a small number of core titles that get a re-release every year oh, yeah. well now that's the way that's that's the other disappointing style of it um even myself like i i would have been a gamer back in the day i think i buy three or four games a year now and i'm lucky if i finish them um i just finished doom 2016 three weeks ago so four years that's not bad right <laughs> I, mean, kind of, I finished it in preparation for this podcast because this kind of put a little fire under my ass to kind of get going i, I wanted to i wanted to ask you one thing have you seen that video it's quite old now so it might be 2014 or something but it's like what if doom was made today and it's like <laughs> someone has oh, taken some no, the there is a cancel doom 4 and it's this cancel this footage of it and it's just call of duty and it's terrible we could talk about that later, but... Is that the one where, awkward. like, a guy is trying to play the first level of the first Doom, but he can't just walk around and do whatever he wants? Is no, all no, instructions? So you're kind of... You're, you're having a... Yeah, yeah, that's kind of a joke. There is an actual thing where, like, it's all for working on a game for a couple of years, and they just trashed it completely. Binned it, didn't even go out. 
Okay. Get rid of it. No, I didn't uh, know that. But no, your one is yeah. If it's made today, I think I know those ones as well. They're uh, they're making the fun of the, the way games were in about 2014 when like yeah. there was always, especially yeah. in FPS, it was always like a long, lengthy training session where like you were very yeah. scripted and you couldn't just go and do whatever you like. There's a running joke that um at, at the peak of, it, of at the peak of like how bad that was, uh you know like all oh, games are real story and like I love games that tell a good story. I don't play multiplayer to be honest. I just I don't have time. I'm not good enough. I get my ass kicked. So I'll just play single player games where I stand some bit of a chance, learn at my own level. But there was a game, a Rainbow Six game, and it was literally um and the man Tom Francis, the indie developer, like used to always rant about this that he hated. Like they would say like you know quick action sequences we have to push buttons in a certain order, but like. Normally that's like, let's say a zombie jumps for you and you need to push X to push his face away and then push Y and Call of Duty is like really guilty of this now. Uh, quick time event like. And then yeah, you push I hate Y and then you stab him. But like, I think it was a Rainbow Six game that got cancelled, but like they had made it as worse that like you were just supposed to be the operative sitting at home having a beer or watching TV and your <laughs> wife was going out. And this is no joking. This is a real thing. Your wife is leaving and she's like, all right, honey, I'll talk to you later. And it was like, push X to kiss wife on cheek. <laughs> <laughs> and you had to do it. And I remember you man Tom Francis absolutely ranting and raving that it was the worst thing in game development he'd ever seen. He's like, push X. And he goes, and he goes if you don't do it, nothing happens. He said, I'd say something if you had a dispute and you have a domestic argument and you have choices. But no, you just sit there, push X to kiss wife on cheek. There you go. Like... Well, it's such a long and it's just to bring it bring it back to doom <laughs> i do want back, to talk yeah, about the uh, the moral panic stuff so this this came out yeah. at a time when in america the media was very interested in trying to scare people but oh you know the teenagers are all into all this scary culture and um they like marilyn manson and they they like dressing so, up as goths and what, what's fantastic that it comes out on the 10th of december 1993 but on the 9th of December, there happened to be a Congress meeting <laughs> on the moral panic and everything involved in that, right? So, again, um, they were basically, the, this Congress meeting was all about the violence that's going on in games today. Specifically, they uh, singled out lethal enforcers. I don't know if you remember that from the Sega. You had a light gun and you were two cops. I wouldn't mind you were two cops, but, like, you were firing at the screen. Yeah, kind of like an early version of Time Crisis. Did it have sort of like Mortal Kombat esque <laughs> photograph enemies? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. they roll out, and you had kind of a blue, like a Dirty Harry Magnum style six shooter pistol. It was like it was a slightly like a simpler uh, Time yeah, Crisis. Yeah. They were that was an issue, um, and I remember I had that in the say It was actually brilliant. Like it was actually for the time, it was mind blowing. When did the first was around. the first Mortal Kombat out by then? End of nineteen ninety three. Mortal Kombat was in nineteen ninety one. They come out at that stage. Again, Mortal Kombat 2 followed up very quickly. They, they just used to make things so much faster. Um, but Mortal Kombat was out. There was also, do you remember, there was this big thing that, oh, the biggest thing in graphics will be videos. Oh, and there was yeah, a FMVs in games. Yeah, so it's Night Watches, these guys. Like, they're supposed to be vampires, but they're just, they're not even vampires. They're just guys with body clavers trying to get into your house. But you would have to set the house up with traps. It's absolute rubbish. Like, it's the worst things. But these were all called out as moral panic. So this happens the 9th of December, Congress is debated. I, the 
link is in the show notes have a read through it it's very funny and then on the 10th of december like the guys are just kind of saying like geez they're gonna love what we have tomorrow <laughs> it's just <laughs> chainsaws shotguns demons everything right it just there it goes um but like you know yeah the moral panic happens um and i think for ages it goes on well the peak of um, it then is obviously the columbine thing in 1999 so the, but that's so. That, what I think was crazy. That's so long later as well, Keen. Though, like, do you know, like, oh yeah. When I was when I was putting the scanner, I was like, oh, I'm sure Columbine now must be ninety five, ninety six. No, I was really surprised to see it was ninety nine. To no. be honest, I was like, because a lot of stuff had happened between nineteen ninety three and nineteen ninety six years. But like, they, I, mean, I mean, people were looking for any anything to blame. So they could just, I think, to, to avoid talking yeah, about guns, so which is like... <laughs> do, do we explain Columbine as well? O- only very briefly, if, you know, yeah. I think people know what it was. But the two guys, yeah. um, Eric Harrison, Dylan Clibble, were into Doom and they wrote about it. And But there were, for a long time, there was this rumor that, um, well, one of them, Eric Harris, did make Doom wads. Yeah, he did. And there yeah. was a rumor for years that he had made one of the school itself like yeah. as a practice thing now these guys were were messed up in lots of ways and they did a whole lot of things before the the murders to show that they were planning it and yeah. you know on no planet did he need to do things like they'd have videos of them with their shotguns and saying this is the shotgun yeah so like from doom and i mean yeah. america basically is desperate to avoid saying oh well we don't want to have a conversation about shotguns so let's talk about marilyn manson yeah. or video games instead right I mean, I think that's what's really going on. But the, the Doom shotgun is a toy shotgun that they bought from Toys R Us. It's called the the Tootsie Kiss Dakota Western Rifle. It's a toy. They were in Texas making this. This is the joke that like, couldn't you have bought anything you wanted? <laughs> like, couldn't you have actually bought the minigun and rocket launcher in your local shop and model that? And they're like, no, no, we just went to Toys R Us and we bought. It's called the Tootsie Toy Dakota Remington Shotgun. <laughs> And it's literally a plastic because they had a thing to scan it and put it in, and that's it. That's so even your man saying, well, like maybe it's modeled on the real model, but like it's not. But yeah, that's how messed up they were. They were like, yeah, they had a lot of problems. Oh, besides, there's another, there's another line like we, we get into the books later, but your man called his shotgun Arlene in one of the videos, his sawn-off shotgun, and Arlene has nothing to do with Doom, but in the Doom novels. The female protagonist is called oh, Arlene, right. who helps the Doom guy, right? But there's no, that's but, not established but there's no Doom direct But a lot of people are like, why did he call it Arlene? And now people have, maybe they're putting two and two together and getting six, you know? But there was just this like, why is it Arlene? And then he's kind of going on about, oh, it's the Doom shotgun, blah, well, blah, blah. This is a little grim, but for those who are interested, Eric Harris did make a few Doom wads. About two or three of them are still available. There's nothing... There's nothing special about them, really. Um, no, this, no, the idea yeah. that he did one of the school comes from interviews with one or two classmates from that time. But yeah. either that wad has been removed by the company or it never existed. It could just be an urban no, legend. I don't think it existed. Um, I don't think it existed. In fact, I tried to research this. But what really annoyed me is that there's loads of guys out there saying this is their and it's just their own creation. Their oh, own people own have models. made them since, yes. Yeah, yeah, and it's really annoying, and it's like, but they're trying to present it as if it was. Now, I, I'm not. I don't mean that. It's just I just think it's a bit tasteless. I mean, come on, like twelve people shot dead. You know, like, no need for they it. went to that um, school every day. They knew their way around. They didn't need yeah. a virtual version of it to make any plans. Like, and like the levels he did make, uh, I've kind of read into. I've read about them. They were just stuff like all oh, one corridor with twelve different rooms. 
was nothing to do with the school in terms of it was just completely random. Um, he was, so at the time you had Doom World, and I think it was AOL used to run on the servers that you download the stuff from. Um, he was in like the top 25 wads that were being downloaded for multiplayer. So he must have been, I would say, good as a multiplayer designer to say his levels were actually being popular. But no way were they modeled on the school or anything like that. They were just standard Doom textures, standard Doom rooms, yeah. a corridor and a few rooms off of yeah, I've, I've looked at them. I, um, nothing stuck which, out to me. you know... Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, and I just, I actually kind of thought of actually of everything we kind of looked at this. Day, that was the toughest. Um, yeah, I did. It's not a nice topic, but yeah, like if they kind of grabbed at everything, didn't they? And start saying, "Well, let's do with this, that, and the other." I don't think. I think at that stage, Quake was out as well. Other much more realistic games, do you know. Yeah. Um, but it's just the thing that your man was infatuated with Doom, and. He did kind of love them. He did love Doom. He liked everything about it. Um, kind of got pulled into that a little, which is a bit, it's a bit shitty, really, well, you know. Um, let's talk about some of the, some of the other, uh, Doom in other forms of media. Oh, <laughs> uh, where do you want to start? Uh, there was, so can we start in the comic room? Yeah, here? let's talk about the comic. <laughs> the, the infamous comic. So, I'd never read this until a few nights ago. I knew of it. I'd read little bits of it, but um, again, in the show notes, folks, check it out. It's fully available. Um, I think for everybody, I think everybody should read it. You can probably have it done in five minutes, Keen. I'd say, would you? So this did this come out like, short shortly after the game, or? Uh, yeah, it came out a couple of years after Doom Two, and like, it's just awful. Like, it's a stinker. Um, it, it's like. <laughs> Somebody kind of said, oh, it's like a 10-year-old's version. I think that's insulting to 10-year-olds, to be honest. <laughs> like, I think it's worse than that. And it's just got stuff, like, I'm looking at the cover now, and it's like Knee Deep in the Dead, which is the first episode of Doom. It's May 96 it came out in, actually. Um, and it, it just has, like, Tom Greenberg fine. Uh, I'm just looking. They like they they have the names of the authors, and it's just it's sort it sort of looks like that sort of Todd McFarlane era of '90s comics. No, no the, disrespect the to the man, title but is right. But the, the the comic thing is wrong. I think the comic thing is definitely not him. He's he's better than that. <laughs> but like, I'm just trying to find. Yeah, so like it has stuff like written by Steve body bag bailing and michael splatters stewart art and color design by tom gallows grindberg lettering by ed dead fear edited by slaughter the slaughterhouse three whoever knows that would you, you know? care to read out um, some of the dialogue that the doom guy says in this uh, in this, oh, this piece? my favorite so i do want to read out the environmental impact i think that's very relevant to our age oh, okay. um, that is my it. personal favorite scene but i mean so for anybody right it starts with the doom guy shoving his fist through an imp's chest and ripping out his spine from the back with a big splurach coming out. And there's kind of like, the Doom guy is just shouting dynamite, right, as he does this. Um, but then there's kind of like red tile boxes, which is his inner monologue. And it's like, who's a man and a half? I'm a man and a half. Berserker pack and man and a half. So if anybody doesn't know, Berserker is this thing in Doom that it was in the original game, a black med pack. If you took it, it was just supposed to be full of adrenaline. You were so strong that you could just punch demons with your fist and they would explode into blood and guts. Brilliant. Um, so that's what he's saying. Berserker packing man and a half. There's nothing wrong with you that I can't mix with my hands. 
hands and he's doing this splooge. Um, yeah. <laughs> There's just Keen, like, it goes on. It's just so weird. It's so weird. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, the next part is like, okay, so he's standing over the imp with the spine and he's saying, I'm cooking with gas. I've got a handful of vertebrae and a head full of mad. Yeah. What? That's your spinal cord, baby. Dig it. Who's the bad man? I'm the man. I'm a bad man. How bad? Real bad. I'm 12 ounces or I'm 12.0 in the 10.0 scale of badness. Don't need a gun. Guns are for wusses. Like, it's just... Oh, it's amazing, like, and it's just so like it's just full of that. Now, the whole idea here is he's a bit mad, and like once the berserk wears off, once the adrenaline wears off, he should go back to normal. So I was kind of giving it a bit of credit. I was like, well, look, okay, you know, he he goes in, then a cyber demon comes out, one of the enemies, and cyber. It's just this, you know, it's supposed to be as tall as a skyscraper, big, huge demon, and uh, he says, "Rip and tear, rip and tear." rip and tear your guts well he's saying this is a demon you are huge that means you have huge guts <laughs> it's just and then he punches the demon and nothing happens and then he says oh no i do need a gun a really big gun uh so i'm not going to read everything but like this is the mentality you're dealing with um it's like i kind of compare this to novels we'll get into that later which is more accurate i don't know but um do you, what, what, do you have any favorites or no no well i don't have just, i don't like, have there's a, so many quotes it's ridiculous i don't have a copy of it in oh, front of me but so many... it's only that that's oh, all there God, is to like it this... it's just him being a maniac and being i mean i guess in a way that's an accurate representation like, in this in this level, he's, he's burst into a room and he said gah zombies with guns not big guns but they are guns i need guns fair enough there's a chainsaw on the floor and he says ah chainsaw the great communicator allow me to communicate to you my desire to have guns and he starts up the chainsaw and he says come here boys i got something to say vroom and cuts their heads off <laughs> masterful so but look, my favorite part is like this goes on for ages can i just give the environmental warning part that is just so this goes on folks for about it's it's only 16 pages with about four panels per page right and um at this part he's just got a chain gun which is uh that's fine and uh, he's killed all the zombies again great but this zombie attacks him from behind and uh he, he, you know, he kind of get, he gets, oh no, like, you know, what's going to happen to the hero? Like, is he going to be killed? Is this, you know, it would, it would be that kind of moment, come back next week, same time, you know, same bat channel. But he, he ends up kind of gets getting plunged into a toxic vat of waste. And I think it's like a hell demon is taking him down. But as he's falling down, he has the chain gun, which is a heavy machine gun based on his arm. And he starts firing. And as he's firing, he's falling downwards with the demon on top of him. And as he's firing, he shouts, bad monster, bad monster. And they fall into a splash. Gah, radioactive waste. It burns. It stinks. Get off, scum. And then he shoots the monster in half. And this is fantastic. Like, this just, this is amazing. It's just the way it's went so far. So it shows him climbing up out of the vat of toxic waste. And he's like, who do you suppose left all that radioactive waste down there? And why? Why? No, I'm radioactive. That can't be good. (laughs) 
why can't we find a way to safely dispose of radioactive waste and protect the environment? Even if I personally stop the invasion of hell, what kind of a planet will be there leaving to our children or children's children? <laughs> all the humanity. <laughs> <laughs> so I won't leave any further, but like it, it just goes like it's just. So he has a he, he has like a green moment while he's in the middle of fighting well, zombies on Mars. He's out of bullets again, and he gets a plasma rifle and starts going off firing at things. Like it's just. It's just like, I, it's just, they wrote it. I said, ah, come on, look, we, we need to have some kind of moral value here. <laughs> We're getting a bit of stick here. Let's get in. It kind of reminds me of Captain Planet, the way yeah. you said the guy who had, was behind that had. Yeah, but it's just, as soon as that happens, all the humanity, all the humanity, oh, sorry, the next cell is the humanity. My big gun is out of bullets. I can't believe it. All the humanity. Oh, see what you did there? You caught us there. Yeah, for a second. Fair enough. He was actually just out of ammo. All the humanity. Well, I mean, we're coming up on time, but I do want us to briefly mention the book and the movie because I think we have to. The book is crazy. Um, yeah, so there was four novels written about Doom. Um, like, the guy, I would say to anybody who's interested, um, I kind of got most of my information from a guy called Richard Cobbett, who's an author of PC Gamer. He loves crap things. He has a, an article section called Crapshoot. He probably gives you the best summary in one article. He just kind of says, out of the books, the first one is grand. Did you read them, Keen, Or did you have any... I've picked through the first one, but, I mean, it doesn't... It's what happens later in the series that sounds interesting to me, to be honest. Yeah, like, he just says to me, like, the first one, look, grand is just doom, you know. But the only thing interesting I find is that there's a moment, right, where, and I think this is really good, that, like, they figure out that the demons aren't actually demons, now, this is only to the book. It's nothing to do with the game. But that there are aliens pretending to be demons as a psychological advantage over humans, right? Right. And the characters realize this. But then they go a bit Joe Dante circa Gremlins 2 because they start posing realistic questions. They were saying, like, well, you know, why is it all these demons? Because what happens is they come across a room in the shape of a swastika and they can't figure it out. And then they say, Is that based on an actual level in the game? That's a secret level in the game. Okay. And the swastika level was based on Wolfenstein, which was a previous game from ID. But the writer obviously was just getting bored, I think. But then they literally start asking them, like, well, we figure out the demons are actually aliens pretending to be demons. But, like, is this specific to Western culture? And, like, have they just read a book of things that would scare people from Western culture? <laughs> and if you were looking at, let's say, Japanese culture, what would happen then? So if you went to, like, the Nippon Electric Station, would you be seeing letters like Kyo and Oni for yeah. demons around the place? And a completely different thing. That's interesting. And so I thought that... Yeah, but again, it's just that, like... But from there on in, they're just uninterested in the demons or anything. They just literally start, like, this is boring. And I just think the writer got a bit bored at that point. Which may explain book two, which has <laughs> the best stuff, I think. Um, so book two... like So the first book is just Doom. That's grand. They fight off the invasion in Mars or wherever they are. Fine. Book two means they go back to Hell Nurse. Um, they land near Salt Lake City, <laughs> and basically the Mormons have effectively taken over the resistance against the demons. Um, most governments have keeled over or turned traitor, with the worst being the IRS, and the IRS are literally the Internal Revenue Service. Uh, the IRS now has its own military strike force <laughs> consisting of the Special Revenue Collection Division, which has infantry divisions, nuclear submarines, heavy bomber wings, and aircraft carrier battle groups. So tax <laughs> yeah, is bad uh, and God is good. Yeah, and, and, 
like your man Richard Cobbett who does this like is very good in the sense that he, he just like he comes out of this he goes to be clear this is a book based on this and it's just a screenshot of the original Doom Zombie and the pistol facing it <laughs> but, but it, it, I've read that it becomes rapidly clear that like the guy who wrote the books was like a rabid Mormon and it turns out that like only the Mormons are the good guys yeah and... I mean, like I read this a few so like the aliens end up being calling Fred literally just Fred <laughs> from the planet Fred yeah, F-R-E-D. Um, there's also another group of aliens called the Newbies, and they evolve really fast, but they evolve so fast that they evolve into nothingness, and that's not explained, apparently. Um, oh, they're allergic to faith, any kind of faith. It doesn't matter, just once you have faith. Oh, that's something. convenient. Yeah. Um, if you're a Mormon. This is, this is part of a 16 million... <laughs> like, this gets very Scientologist, to be honest. <laughs> like, you find out book three, this is all part of a six... I hope this isn't a spoiler alert for people either. <laughs> Hopefully the two novels wasn't on your bucket list before you die. Like, but, you know, I'm going to plow ahead. Um, it's a 16 million year war between the house of hyperrealists and the hi- house of deconstructionists. <laughs> <laughs> and, um... <laughs> Apparently, within the book, they find a book which explains the war. So there's a book within the Doom book that explains why this happened. And the hyperrealists didn't agree with how the deconstructionists had translated. <laughs> Basically, it's a euphemism for the Bible, I'm guessing. Um, and that's where the 16 million year war has went on, or 6 million year war has went on. Um, so yeah um maybe like people who were just there for the doom <laughs> didn't get past book one and anybody who made it into the next books had just forgotten originally like, that this I, came I from just, doom i would just suggest like you man like i would just anybody just to read his thing because it's quite funny up to book two but like book three and four he just squashes into like a 12 line paragraph <laughs> he spends some bit of time on the other stuff he's like ah oh, yeah this is kind of good you recognize it's doom you know it's grand he's read a lot of other pc game books as well um, but you know that, that's it um, well, we... yeah he's quite good he just says that's a piece of crap so Keane before we finish <laughs> do you want to quickly hit the movies yeah I we're gonna we I, di- I didn't know there was two movies but there is that makes me really sad no we don't have to go too far I don't even have notes to them I thought no I just I'm sad that like and... they exist <laughs> yeah so there's a great part right so there's Doom 2005 is the first one and then Doom Annihilation right which I think is 2018 2019 is it actually um, called Annihilation? I think it's Doom Annihilation. I think like it's the another shitty sequel that was had a subtitle Annihilation. But it just gets <laughs> rid of. Um, it just it, it just ignores Doom One. It just not that never happened. Um, so yeah, pretty sensible yeah, approach, uh, if you ask me. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Keen, I know you're a big fan of Doom, so do you want to go first on that? <laughs> well, in the first movie, um, at the beginning, they, it's it's made by Universal, and the Universal logo is the planet Mars instead of the planet Earth, and that's kind of a little bit clever. And then everything else after that is just boring. Yeah, it's pretty poor. Um, even the ro- has... even the Rock. I will normally watch the Rock because he's enjoyable, he's charismatic, but. He's phoning it in so hard, like nobody involved in this cared one iota about it. Yeah, it's not even zombies. It's about having is it a twenty third genome or something. Yeah, and this genome can turn you evil or good based on the person. Uh, did you notice that one of the like Mook McGee dot random dead doctors at the beginning was called Doctor Carmack? 
Yeah, yeah. John and uh, John Carmack. There's Todd Willis. There's a few kind of nods there. There's a fantastic part in the year and a half or the year development of Doom, where it's actually at like a development event, right? So it's like real proper programmers are there and developers, and like it's like right, look, you know, do you have any questions for Mr. Carmack or Mr. R- Romero? And um, there's like there's it's kind of like people vote for questions and like there's questions up on the screen behind them and there's loads of questions coming in and some are like there's a couple of really sensible ones um and like one is like you know oh geez you know what did you use for your software versioning during game development fair enough that's a development question another one is like you know you, you you've kind of experienced failure and success with games what do you think is a core thing for the team to have and he answers that and that's great uh, there's a question then about like Shareware is a monetization model for gaming. That's fantastic. And then there's just this question that keeps coming up. What did you think of Doom 2005? <laughs> <laughs> and like, the presenter is doing her best to skip over it, but it just keeps getting voted in. <laughs> and he just kind of, eventually, this like, look, we're just going to ask it. And he just says, no. And just shakes his head. He's just like, no, no. And But he does say, oh, I heard they were making it. I hope they'll make a better one. So that must mean for the second one. Well, no. um, the Rock can't save. Rock is good, but he can't save it. Roseman Pike, I like her, yeah. but she's not. Nobody cares. Well, no, tell me about this. Tell me about annihilation. The second one, oh, it's awful. Um, it's bad in a different way. Uh, I think um, if, if you put a gun to my said, look, you know, you're going to a desert island. You can only watch one Doom movie. Which one? Of, I'd probably pick the second one, to be honest. Just because it's still a bad movie, but whoever made it actually gave a bit of a shit about it. And um, tied it a lot more closer to actually being about the teleportation and demons. Uh, kind of just, you know, I, I, it's like, if, if you didn't know it was Doom, you'd probably say, geez, this is just a knockoff of Event Horizon or something, which is fine. You know what I mean? Um, they kind of tied it there. One of the things that normally I think it was shot in Australia and like, that's fine. But like, they have a bunch of actors who are trying to do American accents, but they keep slipping into Australian accents. <laughs> and this just, that, that really gets my nerves. Um, it just mainly has zombies. Um, yeah, the zombies are fine in it. Um, it probably sticks a bit too close to the story structure for its own good. Um, like, like being a tribute to fans is good, but getting to the point where it's eye rolling is not. Like, there's a point where, you know, one of the these are supposed to be trained soldiers. He just runs away from the zombies and he shouts over his shoulder, "Please don't hurt me." That's a difficulty setting from Doom. Um, yeah, yeah, there's it another is, yeah. part where a guy kind of shoots another guy and he says, Ultra Nightmare, bitch. Ultra Nightmare uh, is another yeah, difficult yeah. to do. It's a bit too close to its own thing, but at the same time, I kind of turned around and I said, You know what? It's a lump, but it's trying to come from a good place. Whereas I think the original one is just a lump all over. Like, yeah, it's just bad, it's bad tack. Um, as I said, Desert Island, if you have to pick one, go for the second one. I mean, I mean that scenario could totally happen. Somebody might come up to you with a gun and ask you that. <laughs> what kind of desert island are you putting me on? <laughs> like Neil Breen's but, uh, home home cinema. That's where you're being sent. Oh god! But yeah, look, I mean that's it. I I would just say, look, the second one's a bit closer to tack, and that's why I give it a few more points. It just actually like I watched them both with my wife, and like the first one, she just could not stick the first one. Like, it's she just boring, really isn't it? it? She it's just everybody. boring. It's just awful. Um. And then the second one, she said, you know, yeah, that was pretty shit, but at least it was trying to move things forward. And she kind of said it was just a bit more just, I think it was just a naive director, no budget, trying their best to do what they can do. 
you know what I mean? Um, but you kind of felt there was some bit of a germ of goodness there somewhere, you know, but just unfortunately didn't come out. Um, but they do attempt this scene towards the end. Again, spoiler alert, tough. You know, if it's on your bucket list, I'll, I'll save the effort. Um, they basically go to hell and they try to show this. And it was actually, I was like, geez, that's actually like, that's way above the scale of your... Um, of your budget and they don't use a lot of cg they, they, they use a bit but they actually try to use a lot of rubber costumes and stuff for the imps which i actually kind of liked i was like do you know what that's not bad do you know um it was better than just some cgi fest you see i was expecting it to be worse they do this scene though where she's transported between mars and earth and she ends up in hell and um i, I kind of had to give it points i knew what they were getting at i knew what they were trying to do it was just a budget thing you know it was just like you're not at that level you know, you're, you're overshooting here a small bit. Um, but I just kind of felt, yeah, it, it was a better. Not by much, but it was better. Anyway, well, always you know. happy to end on but, a um, recommendation. <laughs> we'll, so there we go, yes. Uh, yeah, that Keen, takes thank us you very much for thank, having me. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. appreciate it. Perhaps yeah. we'll talk about something Aliens-related no next time. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Up for it. I'm sure we'll have, we'll dig out some some aspect of the aliens world that has not been talked about too much and um, see what we can come up with. Oh, AVP? I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hold that thought. Okay, Keith. Thanks for talking. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, Keith. You've been listening to Wide Atlantic Weird. Huge thanks to uh, this episode's guest, Mr. Ian Stokes. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. We had a great chat. We had a good time reminiscing about uh, our memories uh, regarding the game Doom. If you enjoyed this episode, we did an episode not too dissimilar uh, a little while ago, all about the history of 90s survival horror games as well. I think the episode was called Restless Dreams. So if you enjoyed this one, Scroll back on the list of shows and see if you can find that one. If you enjoyed this one, please do us a huge favour and share it with someone else who you think might also enjoy it. So uh, shares on social media and stuff like that, always appreciate it. If you want to chat to us, best way to do so is Twitter. That's where we are most active. You can find us where we are at Strange Ireland on Twitter as well. So yeah, huge thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, if you have any ideas for upcoming episodes, please do get in touch. We'll be delighted to hear about them. So until then, stay safe and thank you for listening. <laughs>